Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about self-talk. Now, as you may know, I'm covering topics that feature in my book, which is out in January 23, called The Health Fix. And Self-talk's a bit of a nebulous area. There's so much information and there's so many people talking about this kind of thing that some of you may find it a little bit random. Why am I even discussing that? You know, I'm a, I'm a doctor and, you know, I should be talking about medical topics. And yes, of course, I cover a lot of that. The reason I think self-talk is so important is because occasionally, in fact, quite often, it will underpin the reason that someone cannot move forward with their health. In very simple terms, I think what I'm trying to get across here is that you've got to think differently to feel different. And this goes for mental health, physical health, all health really. If you want to make changes in your life for the better, but you're really struggling, uh, one of the things that I have found over the years that is a block to that, is someone's self-talk. What do I even mean by that? In, In some ways, it's the voice that you have inside your head that talks to you. So, um, one, one of the topics that you'll see bandied around these days is about self-compassion. Now, self-compassion is linked to self-talk. So, if we start with self-compassion, which is really about being good to yourself, being nice to yourself. And in simplistic terms, it's that voice that you have that talks to yourself, but being kind to yourself rather than being hard on yourself. Self-compassion is when you, for example, when you make a mistake, you kind of say to yourself, okay, I made a mistake, doesn't matter, rather than scold yourself. And that act of doing is what I would call self-talk. The kind of narrative that you have in your head about yourself, which will affect how you feel about yourself, your self-esteem, and your ability to move forward with certain things in your life. And and of course, my focus is health, because that's um, my area of expertise. Now, I'm going to go through some examples of how self-talk can help or harm us. But so that I don't uh, waste your time in covering old ground, it would probably be a good idea to listen to the episodes on behaviour change and imposter syndrome because they are very linked to our self-talk and, of course, actually the episode on resilience. So those three are 
an adjunct to this episode. What those episodes will give you is an idea of where self-talk comes from. Why is it that some people are able to have self-talk that helps them and others don't? Well, it's to do with upbringing, it's to do with how we were parented, it's to do with multiple factors, many that are out of our control, where we were born, what sex we are, what race we are, and what our cultural backgrounds are like. But in a way, that is what it is, and we can't really do a lot about those things in terms of the cards that we're dealt. So I'm going to jump into... um, some examples of the kind of things that we all do that are examples of negative self-talk. So in psychology, these are often referred to as cognitive distortions. And that means they are an altered way of looking at something or thinking about something. So one that I hear commonly and one that I actually do myself um, is called overgeneralization. And this is where something happens you know you get a flat tire which happened to me recently and you say something to yourself like oh typical you know i've always had bad luck so you've made this sudden overgeneralization, this leap from something happening to the fact that you've always got bad luck even though there's no proof for that or you might be about to take an exam and you scupper your own chances by saying oh, I'm, I'm, I'm always terrible at exams there's no way i'm going to pass this You know, and it's a way of writing yourself off and making an assumption and and, and creating what's called a false belief. You know, if you overgeneralize and say those things enough, that will start to affect your own self-belief and that will have an impact on what you think you can or can't do. So overgeneralization is one to really be aware of and, and you've got to kind of almost check yourself so that you don't do it. It's an easy one to jump into. The second one that I, I hear a lot of from people is, is where you discount anything positive. So this often comes off the back of overgeneralizing. So let's st- stick with the example of someone who thinks they're always bad at exams. If they pass the exam or do well, they're so surprised because they've already overgeneralized, saying that they're always bad at exams and they always fail them, that they'll say something along the lines of, well, they must just let anyone pass these days which is totally discounting the fact that they have passed the exam. I think this is part of the problem. A lot of these negative thinking patterns are linked to each other. So if you've already overgeneralized about yourself, you're much more likely to discount positives. So the one after that is what I call maximizing or minimizing. Let's stick with the example of the exam. So This person who thinks they always fail exams, they've suddenly passed, which they think is a fluke. And then it turns out that the person who normally does the best in exams got the highest mark ever in that exam. And sticking with that theme of false beliefs, suddenly it's easy to maximise that person's achievement and minimise your own. It's like, well, mine was definitely a fluke. I'm sure everyone thought mine was a fluke. But, hey, wow, you know, he managed to get the highest mark in the history of the exam. So you've maximised someone else's achievement and minimised your own. How many of us do that? And, of course, all of this affects how we feel about ourselves. And that leads to the next thing, which is called emotional reasoning. 
where you make assumptions about what other people are thinking based on your own emotions. You know, I felt like I fluked the exam, so everyone must know that it's a fluke. Again, most likely utter nonsense. And, you know, the, the rest of these cognitive distortions um, will come as no surprise to you because they're all linked. So uh, another one is called personalising, which is where you think something's gone wrong or someone didn't like something purely because it was you that was behind it. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, oh, I think my friend's really upset because I actually fluked this exam result. And then, of course, there's labelling. Um oh, I failed the exam, so I'm an idiot. That isn't helpful. And that leads to more negative self-talk. This being hard on yourself, like, oh, you know, I, I should have worked harder, I should have done this, I should have done that. It's what I call getting out the metaphorical boxing glove, you know, where you're beating yourself up for no reason. A phrase that is used a lot in common parlance, but really if you think about it, that's exactly what a lot of people do. And again, the last one, which is one of my favourites, is something called conclusion shopping. And that's where you're you're looking for something negative to fit your narrative. Oh, you know, the teacher didn't look at me when I walked past him this morning, so he must think that I passed this exam by fluke and probably doesn't like me. So how do we stop ourselves from doing this? Well, there's two things. The first is our monkey brain, that emotional part of our brain that, you know, eats a whole pack of donuts without thinking, smokes a whole pack of cigarettes, shouts at best friends, and then feels really bad afterwards. The first thing is to control that and stop and think, wait a second, Am I being hijacked by my monkey brain? The monkey brain is the primitive part of the brain that acts on impulse without thinking, in inverted commas. The second is if you feel those thoughts creeping in, is to challenge them. So it's important to ask, hang on, what what evidence have I got that this is even true? None. I've just made that up. It's an overgeneralization or I'm discounting a positive. You've got to be able to catch yourself and almost identify the cognitive distortion. And hopefully you can put it into a box now. The categories that I've gone through ought to be quite identifiable where you think, hang on a minute, I've just discounted a positive there. Or wait a second, I've just overgeneralized there. And the last one, which has really helped me in this process, is where you actually generate an alternative reality. So if you're thinking, hey, you know, I'm really terrible at exams, I'm probably going to fail. Flip it and say to yourself, you know what? Yes, okay, I've failed exams before, but this is a new exam. I've got the same chance as everyone else, and hopefully I'll pass. And that last bit is the important bit for me in terms of self-talk. You're not talking yourself up, it's not toxic positivity, and it is being compassionate to yourself. I I never really got this whole self-compassion thing. I used to think it was 
um, I didn't. I really, genuinely didn't understand it um, a few years ago. I used to think it was a load of influencers just talking a load of guff. But um, but the more I've thought about it, I realise it's what I've always thought of as self-talk or internal dialogue. It's exactly the same thing, but self-compassion is really the act of you know good self-talk rather than negative self-talk whereas self-talk itself is what is happening a lot of this work comes from cbt cognitive behavioral therapy which many of you will know about and some of you may have even tried for yourself and if you want to go even further i would recommend journaling so it's something i don't do often enough but when I have done I found it really beneficial and this is in its simplest um, guise it's a case of writing down things that you're worried about and writing down things that you are working on or would like to happen it's it's a bit like a to-do list but with a with some reflection on thoughts you know in terms of how you felt um, like a diary in some way um, and and there is there are lots of schools of thought in terms of the right way to journal. I, I'm not too precious about that. I think if you're doing it, if you if you make a start, that's that's great. So I wonder whether you can think of examples in your own life where self-talk has either helped you or hindered you. For me, it's been great in terms of conquering um fears not that i have a huge amount of fears but recently um for a weekend uh we were down in devon and we had to kind of jump off cliffs into the sea which is something that i generally wouldn't do because i'm not hugely aquatic um in terms of swimming and water sports and all that sort of stuff but you know what i absolutely loved it it was a mixture of bouldering and jumping into freezing water with all your faith on the guide that was showing us around and I do think, you know, maybe 15 years ago, I would have had that voice in my head saying, you don't like water, this is dangerous, don't do it. All of that stuff, um, which is partly there as a, as a warning sign to kind of keep you safe. It's a it's very primitive kind of way of thinking in terms of the primitive parts of our brain. But this time I thought, you know what, this is going to be exhilarating and I'm really going to enjoy this. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, it's raining hey, I've got a life jacket, I'm going for it. And it was just, it was one of the best things I think I've ever done. And a big part of that was self-talk. It goes very much for health as well. Coming back to the whole point of why I'm covering this, if you're struggling to change your behaviours, if you are struggling to take up exercise, for example, or eat more vegetables, or get to sleep early, which is one that I struggle with, your self-talk is quite key if you overgeneralize and say well you know i never get to sleep early then guess what you probably won't get to sleep early and a lot of it is is about just improving that self-talk and sometimes it helps if you can do it with someone else so health coaches are really good at flipping negative self-talk i find by just nudging and and using behavioral techniques but you can also do it via apps. There are quite a, a lot of digital health coaching type apps out there, as well as apps that are based around CBT. 
So I'd like to end with a quote. You know, I like that. Um, Don't always do it, but I think this one warrants it. There are lots of quotes out there about self-talk from some really incredibly inspiring people like Brené Brown, for example. But the one I think that is nuanced and I really like, and it's by Lisa M. Hayes, is this. Be careful how you're talking to yourself because you are listening. I absolutely love that because it sums up everything that I've just been talking about in terms of the effect that talk has on on us as human beings. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it was of some use and benefit to you and made you think a little bit about your own self-talk and the role that it plays in your life. That's all from me this week. Have a great week until next time. Do take care. Stay well. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.